Welcome to the Deep Roots at Home podcast. For those of you new here, the Deep Roots at Home website was founded by Jackie in 2011. As a retired RN, longtime homeschooler, past Lyme sufferer with a love of preventative natural medicinals, Jackie has encouraged women for years now. Our desire is to spread truth and important information during these recent deceptive times, as well as the practicals of homemaking and all things beautiful. Whether you are listening in the car, while you're making dinner for your children, or sitting with a relaxing cup of tea, welcome to the podcast. And welcome back to another episode of the Deep Roots at Home podcast. I'm your host, Abby Grace, and I am, again, just so thankful and happy to be here today. We have a very special guest today. It's Amy Roberts, and many of you may know Amy from her uh, blog and website, RaisingArrows.net, and she is a devoted follower of Christ, and she's the mother of 10 children. Amy offers practical homeschooling and homemaking advice and encouragement to other large family moms through her blog, her podcast, and her YouTube channel. And today we are going to be talking about large family organization. And I'm especially excited to hear this podcast, being a mom of eight myself. I think that there are things that I can glean as well. And we're just going to have a great time chatting. And I hope that it is an encouragement to our listeners, no matter what size your family is. I think that we're going to just have um, some, you're just going to gain a lot of wisdom here. So welcome to the podcast, Amy. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, so glad to have you here. I'm thankful we've been trying to um, schedule this for a couple of months now, and I'm thankful that it finally worked out for us to get together. And I'm just going to let you jump right in. Tell us a little bit more about your family and about how I know that you just, um, you you have a a special touch for a large family organization. You, you That seems to be a passion of yours. So tell us a little bit more about that. So um, I do have 10 children. Currently, we have eight in the home full time. Um, honestly, though, I tell people I'm organized by default. I have to be organized. I wasn't born with some fantastic organizational gene where I just know how to put everything together and it looks fantastic and it works and it's streamlined and all of that. It's been over the years that I have had to implement things simply to keep my home running smoothly. So right. I'm I'm not um, super organized by nature. That's my mom and my sister, not me. Uh, my sister has one child and so her home is immaculate and I do the best that I can considering yeah. how many kids are living here, how many people are in the house because you have, when you have a large family, you have to come to terms with the fact that there's always going to be things that need to be organized. There's always going to be more stuff than your average home simply because there's more people in the home. And so you have to be creative with the systems you put in place, with the charts and the organizational ideas and resources that you use, because it's very unique when you have that size of family um, the organizational books and blogs don't really talk about organizing that many people. Mm -hmm. And so you almost have to think of it almost in a military type way. And we are a military family. Um, and so there are some things that we implement that are kind of military in nature, you know, the bunk beds and the foot lockers and the, the things that you do to condense all the stuff to make it where you're not tripping over things all of the time. And it's not just stuff. It's also just the average day with the laundry and the meals and the homeschooling. And all of that has to have some element of organization to it, or it's just chaos. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'm sure you're going to point out at some point here that organization doesn't mean perfection because like, you have to, with a large family, I know I've had to give up on that perfect better homes and gardens look, you know, that, yes. that you have to have realized that this is a lived in um, busy family that life goes on and the Marie Kondo and the, the perfect um, way, you know, things that we see on Pinterest isn't necessarily going to be what we're talking about. Right. Mine is a working home. And I think as Christians, that's what we need to be focused on. Our homes are supposed to be an outreach. They're supposed to be a working ministry and a working ministry is going to have 
some messes and some paperwork and some food and all kinds of things sitting out. It can't be a showcase home and be the hospitality Christian home that we need to be um, having as homemakers, as Christian homemakers. We need to be reaching out and needs to be working home and homeschool. And um, yeah, we do have to get rid of that idea that everything has to look like it came off the pages of a magazine. It's just not going to look like that, especially with this many people in a home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So do you have specific tips or specific areas of the home you're going to talk about today or what, um, you know, where are we going to jump off here with the practicalities? Um, let's just start maybe with homeschooling itself and then kind of move through, you know, a normal day and all the different things and systems that I have in place. When it comes to homeschooling a large family, um, you have to have some sort of system in place that allows you to get the most results for the, you know, you maximize your time. Basically, you're trying to be efficient because it would be very difficult to homeschool all of the kids with different curriculums. So we have combined kids. I have a morning time in the morning. We do that all together. That way there are several subjects that we can put together with everybody there. And then they go off to their individual schoolwork and they have crates in the dining room, which is where we currently meet for our morning time. They have crates that house all of their school books. And they're those fabric crates that you can't see into. So you can't really see the mess because they're right there in my dining room. And um, they just push into the individual cubbies and they have their names on them and that way they know who has which cubby and all of their stuff is in there so it gives a home for their homeschooling things and i think whether you homeschool or not children's school work needs to have some sort of home in the past we've used backpacks on the back of chairs we've used cubbies that are open where they can just throw the stuff in that they have like the books and the papers and all of that and they can just throw it in there but it has a home and they know when it's time to clean up that all of that stuff has a place to return to a lot of times that's our biggest struggle is having a home for everything that's easy for the kids to use because kids and mom, for that matter, are not going to use the organizational resources that we have if they're not easy to use. If they require us to pull something out from underneath something and put it into something and then push it back and then you know unlock things and all of that, every little step creates one more obstacle to us actually putting away things. So the easier we can make it, the more simplistic we can make it, the better it's going to be for us and for our children. So that's why we have the crates and cubbies. It's just an easy thing to pull it out and throw the stuff in there. Everybody knows where it goes. It's easy to put it away. Um, and so then like mealtime for us, we also have mealtime systems and we have table chores. Everybody's assigned a table chore. And I have the list on the refrigerator. It rotates once a month. And everybody from the six-year-old on up to the oldest one we have in the household has a chore that is done after mealtime from wiping down the table, bussing the table, doing the dishes, putting away the food, wiping down the counter, sweeping the floors, all of those things that need to get done after you've eaten has somebody who's in charge of that thing. And then we rotate through them on a monthly basis so nobody feels like they had to do this chore endlessly. You know, it gets to change from um, month to month. We also have people in place, now that I have older kids, we have people in place who can cook some meals as well. Used to be I did all the cooking and then they had their table chores. And now I've got a few kids in the house who are able to you know, choose a night of the week and cook. And basically what I've done there is I go ahead and plan the menu and they cook what I need them to cook based on the ingredients that I have on hand in the menu plan. We have tried in the past them choosing a meal and it just didn't work very well, especially with the supply chain issues and such that we've had of late. It's difficult to get some of the foods, the ingredients that they were wanting. So if I plan all the meals, then they just, they just make what I have planned for them. And then on Fridays, we don't do school. We do a four-day week year-round schedule for homeschooling. 
And that allows us to take breaks when we need to, but it also allows us to have Friday morning clear for cleaning. And that is when we clean the entire house top to bottom. And there again, everybody has what we call home blessing chores. We're blessing the home, we're blessing the people in the home, and we're blessing anybody who may come to our home during the weekend with a clean home and a home that has everything that's been put back into its place. And then the floors are vacuumed and things are dusted and the bathrooms are clean. And everybody has one of those chores or several of those chores to get the house back in order and ready for the weekend and the next week. And I rotate those probably every six months. Um, the younger kids get the easier chores. The older kids get the more involved chores. And I spend most of that time um, decluttering and supervising. There's always something that has to be done. So I do not assign myself a specific chore for those Friday chores because it really consumes most of my time just checking in on everybody and making sure that the jobs are getting done completely and also any decluttering that might need to happen because there's always random papers and books and things that have not yet found a home and I need to work at finding them a home or I need to get rid of things. And that's not something that children can do. That's something I need to do. So I use that Friday morning time to do that. When it comes to vaccines, most mothers and fathers want to know facts, not others' opinions. Jackie wished she had known more facts when she went in for her first well baby visit. Because Jackie strongly promotes parental choice, she felt led to write a short treatise with personal facts. This vaccination ebook is pretty concise to allow you, the parent, to read, research into the studies she shares, and come up with your own decisions. Jackie's sincere desire is that you and your children thrive, and so she presents to you the vaccination ebook free of charge. Simply go to deeprootsathome.com forward slash vital dash info dash ebook forward slash. That's deeprootsathome.com forward slash vital dash info dash ebook forward slash. And then there's things like laundry. Laundry is a never ending battle in a large family. You constantly have the washer and the dryer going. And so we have a laundry system and um, whoever can do their laundry is in charge of their laundry. So we have um, at this point in time, we have the boys who are the little boys. They are 14, 12, and 10. They have um, the 12 year old who is in charge of that. And he does their laundry a couple times a week. The 14-year-old is in charge of the towels, and he's doing those a couple of times a week. Um, I am in charge of my husband and my laundry, and then the little girls who are six and eight, I'm doing theirs. The 18-year-old has their own basket, and the 17-year-old has his own basket. And then when the 22-year-old is here, she has her own basket, and they fit in as they can. But otherwise, we have a day of the week. You know, here's your day of the week, and that's when you need to get your laundry done, and that way we're not fighting for the washer and dryer. And it's just a matter of when it comes to large family organization, looking at your life, the daily routines that you have and finding the places where it seems like it's chaotic or it's not working well, or it's messy, or you're finding little gaps <laughs> in the way that the day is running. And then you search for systems to fix that problem. And you fix one thing at a time, you see if it works, and then you move on instead of trying to fix everything. I think we get caught up in trying to fix everything and we just can't do it. But you look for systems that work for you and it's going to be very individualized. We aren't going to be able to make somebody else's system work perfectly for our family because we're all unique. We all have unique circumstances, but I really believe you can find a system that works for you that takes some of that um, decision fatigue out of it, where you're trying to figure out what your day, you know, every little piece of your day, you can start getting things on autopilot, put charts with it, put systems with it, hang them on the wall. And, it, you know, in a couple of years, or maybe even in a year, you'll probably have to reassess. Kids get older, things change, circumstances are different, but work toward, you know, kind of taming that chaos, if you will. That's fantastic. So I, I'm right there with you with having more big kids now. In fact, I have three married, a fourth one that's barely home between her job and 
everything. I really end up a lot of times with my two little ones who are um, 10 and 11. Those are my, my babies now. Um, I'm right there with you with like, it looks so different now than it did when they were all little. Let's talk a little bit about those years before when they were all little, because I know we have listeners here that are having, you know, I remember when my children were stair-stepped and they were, you know, 10 and under, and I had, I had, I was pregnant with my eighth child, you know, um, sorry, pregnant with my sixth child at 10 and under, um, cause I had a little break there between my, my two babies. But, um, I remember, you know, the overwhelm. I remember because you, you barely had them knowing how to tie their own shoes. Yes. You, know, you had so many little ones and it really did fall so much on you and your systems. Now that you're working with, you have lots of helpers. Do you remember, yes. can you go back to some of the things that you did that might be helpful for our moms that have all little ones right now? Um, and some things that, that maybe helped you survive those, those little years when so much more landed on, on your shoulders. Absolutely. Um, one of the big things I did as far as keeping things as tidy as I could, and obviously they are much tidier than they were back then, um, because I didn't have anybody to help. It was really just me. And then when my husband got home, he'd, you know, pitch in and do what he could. But um, one thing I would do is in the morning, I had a whiteboard and I would, you know, survey my kingdom and try to figure out what were like the top three to five things that needed to be done. And those were the things that I would feel like I had really accomplished something if I got those done. And then that evolved into a chore board for my kids when they got a little bit older. And even when they couldn't read, I could tell them what was on it. And I would write you know, Blake was my oldest and I'd write his name at the top. And then I'd put a couple of things under there that I needed him to do. I needed him to wipe down something. I needed him to tidy his room, uh, maybe sweep the floor, which wasn't going to be perfect for, you know, a six-year-old, but at least it was something and it was teaching him to do chores. And then I would add, you know, the next child on. And so for a quite a while, all I could manage was that chore board every morning, getting up, what do I need to do? Writing it on there and not overdoing it, like not trying to come up with 10 things I needed to do, but three to five things that I needed to try to do. And that was written on that whiteboard. Um, and then another thing we implemented um, at one point was a daily like cleaning list. This is going to be like Monday was going to be dusting and Tuesday was floors. And so the house was never all clean at one time, the way it is now, now that I have, you know, more big kids, but at least it was getting done systematically. And at least I knew that underneath things, it was clean. Um, it, it was a safe environment. You know, I was, I was getting things done day by day. So it was just this daily cleaning list. Um, I did do fly lady early on back in the day when I just had a couple of kids and it worked really well. And that was kind of a simplistic list that you went through every single day, but that stopped working when I had, I think my third or fourth child, it just, I could not get that much done in a day. And that's when we went to the chore board, because when you have a lot of littles, the amount of time you're spending physically hands-on with those little kids does not allow for you to clean all the time. Um, it You really have to simplify almost everything and bring it all down to its lowest common denominator. And sometimes that's gonna mean paper plates and paper bowls and paper cups. Sometimes that's gonna mean um, we implemented a bath night where you know Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, I knew those were the days that I put the kids in the tub unless we had some major catastrophe. And it just allowed me to have a system that I could go back to over and over again. I knew, oh, well, this is Tuesday. That means it's bath night. I don't have to think about it. I know I need to put everybody through the bath tonight. And so lots of little simplistic systems like that, that allowed me to, you know, take care of these little kids, but not have so much on my plate. And so we, that's what we did. We just had, you know, little simple chores, um, as far as laundry, 
It was more me doing all the laundry together. I put everybody's in together and then I sorted to baskets because nobody was old enough to do the laundry. So I had a name on um, like the girl's bedroom and the boy's bedroom and my bedroom. And a lot of times like the baby had their own basket and I would sort to those baskets from one load of laundry. I wasn't separating anything out. I don't even think I was separating the towels out at that point because I just needed it to be simplified and you will survive it. It does not have to be perfect for it to be done. I, you know, <clears throat> I second what you said about the paper plates, because I remember it being so re relieving to me when I realized, you know what, it's okay if I use paper plates, everything's yeah. light, because that's what I need to do to survive, you know. Um, one little tip that, that I'll throw in there, and you'll, you'll appreciate this and maybe get a laugh out of it being a military family, but when my kids were so little that I couldn't say to them, clean this whole room up. Like the living room would have toys scattered. The living room would have books and papers. And they weren't old enough for me to be able to say, clean this living room up. You know, that would have been yeah. overwhelming to them. They yeah. need me to say every little thing, pick up that piece of paper, um, pick up that toy. So we played a game that we called soldier house alert. And they would come up to us and I would have military names for them, like Corporal William, you know, <laughs> and they would come up and they would go like this. And I'd say, Corporal William, please pick up that book and put it in mommy's room. And they'd go, yes, ma'am. And, <laughs> and they would go pick up that book and they would put it in my room and then they'd come back. And they thought it was so much fun. But by playing that game together, we could get our living room tidied up at the end of the day. And they were learning how to see, you know, now, now I can, you know, obviously I can say to my 10 year old, I want this living room perfect. And he, yes. they have the eye for detail, but when they're all little, you know, they right. love playing soldier house alert. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. We had a playlist of music and it was about 15 minutes long. And we have always done a tidy up time um, around four o'clock just to get the house back in order. And I would put that music on and we would work for 15 minutes. And they knew when they got to that last song that it was almost over. And so that's how we did things. And we also had a basket at the top of the stairs in one of the houses that we lived in. Um, Cause we've moved a lot. This I think was our 14th move. Um, they would put things into the basket that were supposed to go down the stairs. And that way, you know, I, when I'm pregnant, I didn't want to go up and down the stairs all the time. So that basket sat at the top of the stairs. And I think there was one at the bottom too. And we would put everything into that basket as we were cleaning. If it was anything that needed to go downstairs, we put it into the basket and then I could take one trip or one of the kids could take one trip and even just leave the basket down there till I could get down there and take care of it. Um, but yes, I think those tidy up times are very important and whatever you need to do to make it a learning experience and also, you know, fun too is fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, my kids now, my older son is 25 and he's married and he told me not too long ago, he realized why we had all these different systems in place now that he was an adult, because he could see like he puts his own things in systems. He has times when he goes and takes his car to the car wash. And part of our Friday chores had been cleaning up the inside of the humongous van. And so he he has retained a lot of that and he just goes and sweeps and cleans up and so it's become second nature to him because he learned those things as a young child that's fantastic so did you what about the um you know you have the weekly cleaning um what about any like do you have any uh spring chores or fall chores or yearly chores or things like that we did not until a year ago. Um, I just did not have the mental capacity for anything like that. Um, I have always loved the idea of spring cleaning, but just couldn't make it happen. Um, we would declutter regularly, but last year we decided to go ahead and implement a spring cleaning. And that's just more of a deep clean, you know, cleaning out cupboards. And I make a list. I have actually a list on my blog um, that helps you to put together a spring cleaning list so that you have each of the chores kind of broken down and you can take them at your own pace 
Um, a lot of times spring cleaning um, blogs and such will have you doing so much at one time. And I still have a life I have to live. I can't just spend my whole day cleaning. So um, I put together this list that helps you to create a list of your own that you can do a step at a time. But yeah, it wasn't until last year that we started some sort of spring cleaning. Um, otherwise, no, it's just our weekly house cleaning. Before that, it was the daily house cleaning, the different chores that we had. And then of course, like I said, we moved a lot. So when you move, you clean everything out. Right, right. <laughs> so I guess that was my spring cleaning. Yeah, exactly. It is no secret that Jackie loves TRS, but some have asked exactly what is TRS? TRS is a nano zeolite spray that facilitates some amazing things. TRS does not heal anything, but it gently clears the body of toxins and heavy metals, so the body can heal itself exactly as God designed it to do. Why not get to the root cause instead of just applying band-aids? Excellent supplements and individual remedies can help, but they cannot help as much until you remove the root source of inflammation and disease. Detoxing toxins and metals is foundational to good health. TRS is safe for the elderly and for children as well. For more information, go to www.deeprootsathome.com forward slash TRS. So what about, let's go back um, a little bit to the homeschooling and um, some of the tips, this isn't so much, well, I guess it does fall under organization, but some of the tips that you had with um, working with so many children, you mentioned having morning time, but can you go a little bit more into detail about um, what subjects you covered, excuse me, um, during that morning time and then how you, um, and, and let's, let's, Maybe let's talk about, um, you. St- well, I was going to say back when you had so many, but you still have so many, but, <laughs> but when you have, <laughs> but when you had so many in like, maybe at the height of, of your homeschooling of how many you were schooling at the time, okay. um, and how you handled occupying the younger ones mm. while you're. Uh, working with the older ones did you use nap time and let's can you go through a homeschool day a little bit with us yeah so I'll back up to what we did um, back when I had a lot of babies and then probably everybody was like a freshman and under in um, our homeschool and back then I did do something that was like morning time but it was really just bible and a read aloud that we did all together at the beginning of the day. So I didn't have the extensive morning time that I have now because I just couldn't do that. I had babies to nurse and diapers to change and toddlers to chase. And so I would set everybody down, we'd do bible and I'd do a read aloud and then they had independent schoolwork and they still have this there are certain subjects so typically for a little like the little kids it would be a math work workbook or something on the computer like teaching textbooks for their math um a handwriting and um until recently science for the older kids that don't do science with my little kids um i wait until they can read well to add in science and then um, phonics, I'm, you know, teaching them to read. And I typically try to only teach one child to read at a time because it is very mentally taxing for a mom to do that. So even though they were close in age, I would kind of watch to see, you know, who was ready to read because they become ready to read at all different ages. It's not like, well, now they're in kindergarten, time to learn how to read. And so some of my kids were not ready at five and six. I had a couple who read at four. Um, I had one little boy who didn't read very well until he was eight. And, you know, we just kind of took it in their timing and they're all fantastic readers now, but you really need to watch for that readiness and not push it. So those were the basics like phonics, math, handwriting. And the only reason I did handwriting was because I just wanted them to learn to form the letters correctly. I didn't um, try to have them do a lot of handwriting because that's a lot for little bitty hands that aren't fully developed yet. So that would be a typical day. And so that only takes, you're talking 30 minutes 
for the littler kids. Mm -hmm. And then my older kids, as they got older, they will, they were more and more able to do things completely on their own without my help. And that left me able to take care of the younger ones. But I had things like toddler boxes. Um, I have some posts about that on the blog as well, that were full of things like pipe cleaners and pen and paper and um, just things that they could play with little toys that I only got down for them during school hours. I would often um, put them in a high chair next to the dining room table with us and put those toys on the high chair so that I had them contained. Sometimes we would use a playpen. Um, I do allow Play-Doh and things like that in my house. And so I would let them play with that and then just clean it up later. But typically um, I was only needing to have them occupied for about an hour total every day. And I did have one very rambunctious little guy a few years ago. He's now 10. Um, he actually needed hands-on supervision all the time. So we had to back off some of our morning time stuff. And actually we took turns watching him just to make sure he, he basically would leave the house. Sometimes he was just, he was that kid. He was the climber. He was the one who was walking out the door. So we really needed to be very hands-on. So we would take turns with him. And um, that was just for a season that we had to do that. But that's really what we did. A lot of times I tried to just keep all of those little ones near me, um, even if it was like in the next room with some toys or right there at the dining room table, wherever I could keep them within earshot and then give them things to play that they only got to play with during school time. Um, I can remember I blanket trained some of my children. Yes. My daughter still remembers being on her little blanket and she remembers that very fondly um, where, you know, <clears throat> they she had her special blanket and mm -hmm. she, when, when that blanket was on the floor, she had to stay on that blanket and play with her toys. Um, and, but it was always near me. It was in the same room, yes. you know, so that I could work with the older ones, but she had her little area that I knew she would stay on. And, and then I also at, at sometimes used a big basket, um, a great big laundry basket where, you know, the, the rectangular ones that, that are, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, I would use that um, because that was a little easier than the blanket as far as, you know, had little walls like, yes. um, you know, she could sit in there and play, um, you know, or the playpen, like you mentioned, um, the yeah. pack and play or the high chair and rotating sometimes is helpful so that they spend yes. 20 minutes in the high chair and then, then 20 minutes on their blanket or, you know, to keep them moving is helpful. Yeah. And I also, I was a baby wearer. So I had kids strapped to me at different times while I just stood up and taught. I also spent a lot of years teaching from a recliner and nursing babies. And I'd have all of my stuff in what I called a mom basket right next to the chair, everything I needed for school and everything I needed for life was also there so that, cause I spent an inordinate amount of time in that chair, nursing babies, so, you know, I, my life was right there in that chair. And so that's where I homeschooled and we homeschooled from the living room for years and years and years. And it just, you do what you need to do to make it work. And I think what is probably the biggest hindrance to us as large family moms is guilt even maybe not even large family moms, just moms in general, we tend to think everybody else is doing it better than we are. And that is just not true. We are all doing the same thing, struggling in the same ways and just trying to make it work the best we can, but we can learn from each other too. And somebody's going to say something. If you are vulnerable enough to ask another mom, what did you do? Somebody somewhere along the line is going to share something with you that is an aha moment for you where you go, oh, I could implement that. That could work. Everything I just told you in this podcast has been things that somebody else shared with me at some point when I was a young mom. It's not like I came up with this stuff on my own. Somebody shared something and then I took it and made it my own. And now I want to share that with other people. And that's really the essence of the Titus II woman is we are sharing along our journey with people who are a little further behind us. And we build this community of women who are growing and learning in Christ. And so I, I love that model 
that the Lord set forth for us and we just don't use it enough, especially in our very disconnected society like we are now. We think we're so connected with the internet. And thankfully, there are blogs and there are people who are speaking into our lives, but we don't have that community feel so much anymore. And so I really, I really encourage people to get in a church, get in a community of believers, get in a place where you've got other women who are behind you and ahead of you, that we can share this life together. And I know it's overused a lot when you talk about it's a season, but I know you will agree with me. It passes like that. You think at the moment it's so long and it feels so overwhelming and then it passes and you realize wow, you know, now you're, I mean, I'm at a stage where I have grandchildren and, um, you know, many, many times it's just my two, my 11 and 10 year old at home at night to cook supper for. And I'm like, what happened? Wow. Like they, they were just all clinging to me and just all hanging on me and just all so very needy. And now they're out and living their own lives. Um, one thing you mentioned living your life from the recliner, Um, you know, being one of the things that, that I had to deal with was a very difficult first trimester when Mm -hmm. I was pregnant, the nausea and actually the fatigue was even worse than the nausea for me. Um, and so one thing I learned to do when I, because I was pregnant every other year, when I found out I was pregnant, I would prepare for that morning sickness time. And I remember the house we were living in at the time had a uh, kitchen with like a dinette attached to it. And that was like a, 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 a very defined area of the house. And I, I basically took something and blocked off the rest of the house. And yeah. I turned the dinette area, I pushed the table towards the kitchen and I put a couch with um, toys and a TV and um, the, you know, our, our favorite videos and books and I had a shelf with all of that there um so basically I could manage the home from this little kitchen area all day long and I had a couch moved in there so I could lay on the couch and kids could safely play um and my my oldest son could make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches at the table in the kitchen (laughs) but but like you said you do what you have to do at the time yeah yeah. And there's no r- one way that's right or one way that's wrong. Yeah. But, but you learn how to um, get creative, you know? Yes. Yes. And that's something, you know, I, I figured up at one point and maybe this wasn't wise of me, but I figured up, I actually had morning sickness for four years straight. Oh, wow. And <laughs> I'm, I'm a puker. So <laughs> That was not fun. I was basically like having the flu for four years of my life. And I did something much the same. I had the couch and my blanket and um, everybody was right there in, you know, the same vicinity. And I bet I fed my kids cheese and crackers for two months straight and they're all fine, very healthy children. So it's, and I used the paper plates and I remember as I would come out of the morning sickness and I'd have more good days than bad days that I, you know, you, you wake up one day and you're like, everything fell apart while I was sick Mm -hmm. and you think you have to fix everything. And I got to the point where I realized I need to just step into one thing at a time, much like those systems I was talking about. You can't try to implement six systems at one time and think they're all going to work. They're not. You have to, you know, start very small, do the next thing. That's what my shirt says. Even today, do the next thing. It's Elizabeth Elliot. Do the yes, next I thing. I love that quote. <laughs> and so I would do the next thing. And a lot of times that was food related. Okay. So what can I do to help with the menu? Because they've been eating cheese and crackers for two months. And then it was, what can I do to get things tidied up a little bit and slowly, but surely we build back in. And that was actually one of the reasons we went to the year round homeschooling was because I was sick for so long that that way those became our school breaks where I just could not function well enough to school them. That was when we took our vacation and then I got right back into it. And I'm one of those people that as soon as I've had the baby, I feel amazing. And so I'm ready to jump back in pretty quick. 
And so taking those breaks while I wasn't feeling amazing worked really well for us. And it didn't have to be the three months in the summer. It could be the three months that I'm sick. Right. Yeah. And I think, like you said, um, it doesn't have to be like, it, you know, it doesn't have to be eight hours of school every day. You no. know, the modern, the modern classroom, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The modern classroom example is not, is not necessarily what, it, that's not what should be our, our example. We should look biblically at what, what are we, you know, required to teach our children? What's important to be teaching them? And, yes. and, you know, we can, they can be doing the book work in such a s- small amount of time compared to what we're taught to think it has to be like from the government school system. Right, right. There, there's so much that can be done too with that. Um, there's lots of different ways to do it. You can block schedule it and put certain things on certain days. I think about college. A lot of times the way that college courses run is actually a better paradigm for our education because there's blocks of time and they're short. And then you have these big, you know, time frames where you can either be doing your work or you have free time. And that is more how real life is. Um, and so we do, like I said, that morning time in the morning, currently we have a fairly extensive morning time that includes history and geography and fine arts and science and a read aloud and Bible that we do all together. And then they are able to go and take just about an hour to two hours, depending on their age to finish everything. And literally they are done in well the little kids are done within about 30 minutes and so the total homeschooling time per day four days a week is probably between three and four hours at the most Mm -hmm. and it's just so much more efficient too we don't have to stand in line we you know we aren't taking recess we do that after school and you know we we don't have a lot of standing in line and water breaks and lunch breaks and all of that kind of stuff. It just does not take that much time to do. And so they are free to be children the rest of the time and explore and explore their passions. They get to read, they have chores that they do, they have things they do outside. Um, so it's just a different paradigm from the public school system. And there again, if you're homeschooling, you don't need to try to make it look like you know, Susie so-and-so down the street who has, you know, public schooled kids or even private schooled kids, it's going to look different. Your housekeeping is going to look different because you're not just a home, you are also a school. And so you have all those school paraphernalia hanging out at your house as well. So your life is going to look different and we have to accept that about each other. In these troubling times, it's no secret that we are being censored. It's getting harder and harder to spread the truth. Facebook is throttling us, and we don't know how much longer we will be there. Here are a few things you can do to stay in touch with Deep Roots at Home. Firstly, sign up for our newsletter. Jackie sends out exclusive, important content to her readers. The link will be in the show notes. Number two, consider making Deep Roots at Home your homepage in your browser. Number three, print your favorite Deep Roots at Home articles and place them in a binder to have on hand in case of emergency. And finally, follow us on other social media channels. We are now on Telegram and Gab and soon Truth Social. Jackie's greatest desire is that God would be glorified through these dark times. We are very good as humans putting everybody into boxes and giving them all labels. We really like to label people. And I think it's part of that idea of, well, are you my people? Well, if you're not my people, because you don't have the right box or the right label, I'm not going to spend any time with you. And we have become very intolerant of other people's opinions where we don't, we don't have conversations anymore. We don't have to all agree Um, Even as homeschoolers, even as Christian women, we aren't necessarily going to agree on everything. And if we only spend time in our little box, we will never be reaching the community at large. We will never be sharing the message of Christ, the love of Christ, the grace, the mercy, the forgiveness, all of that. If we are not building a Christian community, that's not just our people, but is all of Christians, all people who believe and have put their faith in Christ, 
Um, we need that sense of community. And part of that, we have to let go of that idea that everything has to look a certain way and we can only spend time with those people. And that's a whole other podcast, but anyway, <laughs> I just, I think as homeschoolers, we get stuck in this idea that you can't possibly understand me because I have a large family yeah, or yeah. you can't possibly understand me because you use this curriculum and I don't use that curriculum. And really we need to come together as a community and build that community and rejoice in our differences and rejoice in the things that make us Christ followers, the things that bring us together. And so that's just something that's been on my heart lately that um, we just really need to be looking to that, that sense of community. And, and I think being willing to help like the old, like you mentioned, the older women teaching the younger women, Yes. Uh, looking on, like, it may be that this family looks different than your family, but how can you serve them? And, yes. how, you know, and letting them help you as well. Like if we would learn how to be more, um, not outside of our box, like you're talking about. Yeah. And, and, um, there's so many things that maybe, um, maybe an older woman that never homeschooled her kids, but right. she has so much wisdom to teach you who are homeschooling a bunch of littles, you know, there's, yes. there's but, but maybe we aren't even thinking that way because we're, we're in our own little box of, well, she didn't homeschool her kids, but there's right. so much wisdom that she has for you who are homeschooling your kids, you know, yes. Yes. or, or vice versa. I remember when I, um, I mean, I homeschooled for, for a very, very long time. I graduated my first two children um, from homeschool. I was homeschooled and then um, <clears throat> had a season where we had to put our children in Christian school. And now I have children in Christian school and I'm homeschooling my young youngest. So I'm a hybrid. Um, <laughs> but, but I remember when that first, when we made that decision to put our children in Christian school, I felt like a failure. Yeah. And I felt like I had let down the homeschool community. I felt like I was having to, like, like I needed to apologize to my friends. And I remember, right. I remember one of the, the women encouraging me and saying, Jenny, homeschooling is about, is about nurturing your children in the ways of the Lord. And you're just letting, you're just hiring some people to help you in that and, and you are still like, I realized that, that a homeschool lifestyle is a, there's a, there's a lifestyle there that is, um, that is, um, a family community and a, um, a, a nurturing and caring for your children. It's not just turning your children over to a system. And that even though my children were going to a Christian school, I was still, homeschooling in that sense of the word you know I wasn't just turning my children over to a system I was I was utilizing resources that I needed at that time in my home and so yeah. you know I think that we can we can condemn like well oh they just chose to put their kids in a Christian school or they they just chose you know they're using a curriculum in their homeschool that's not really the mom teaching or you know we yeah can, yeah we, we can get really really judgy we are, we are so divisive and it is very discouraging to see that because ultimately, and I think this has happened as I have gotten older, as I've matured in my faith and in my life, I have begun to see how much we need humility, humility in our, every single one of us needs a savior. None of us have figured it out. None of us are perfect. My method is not necessarily the best method for you. And I'm just trying to follow what the Lord has for me. And we tend to divide on things that are really preferences. They're not fundamentals of our faith. They're not salvation issues. They're not hills to die on. We need to be humble in everybody's need for a savior, our need for a savior, our children's need for a savior, and then rejoice in the absolute joy that we have a savior. And that's what we have in common as believers. And I just, I have really been discouraged by the divisiveness that I have seen in the last several years um, on, on issues, not salvation issues, but just issues, preferences, things that we believe strongly. And we get so passionate. And as a young homeschool mom, I was very, very passionate about things that I look back on now 
that I've had to eat my words on some of those things. I have had to humble myself and say, I know that I said that was the only way to do it. I was wrong. <laughs> I was absolutely wrong. So and I stood in judgment of somebody who did it differently. And that is not the way of Christ. That is not what we are called to do. Right. Well, this has been fantastic. And um, I think this is going to be a blessing to our listeners. Um, in closing, is there something that you would say to the mom that has been listening to this and she's been feeling overwhelmed and now she's just, just so many things that you've shared with her have, have just inspired her to go home and just get everything, you know, everything in order. What, what would you, what would you say to that woman? I would say, first of all, start slow, honor your unique family, take into account who you are. Christ ordered your children in the order that they were born in. He ordered your family in the places that they go, the things that they do, the people that are within your home, all of those unique individuals, those were all ordered by the Lord. And so we need to honor that, respect that, take it slow, ask the Lord, what's the next step I need to do? What do I need to focus on? And stop looking outside, comparing yourself with others and start looking at Christ, point your focus toward the Lord and go that direction. And it's going to be little tiny baby steps. You know, the light is only right there in the next step. You know, thy word is a light into my feet. It's, it's not a beacon all across the land. It's one little step, focus on the Lord, take the next step, do the next thing and be encouraged and just rest in his faithfulness and rest in the fact that he's going to equip you for this, whatever he's called you to, he will equip you for, you are going to be able to rest in him. And at times it's just, it's going to look like being still and abiding. That's really what it's going to look like. It's going to be quiet. And then there'll be times when you are on fire and you are knocking out things. And because the Lord has given you that energy at that time, but take it one step at a time and you will get there. It's a journey and it's, it's, you know, Paul calls it a race, but sometimes it's a slow race. You know, sometimes it's just plodding along and and that's what we have to do. Just take the next step on that journey of faith. Thank you, Amy. Have a wonderful rest of the day. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on the Deep Roots at Home podcast. We pray it has encouraged you in your walk with the Lord and as you serve your family. Could you do us a favor? If this has blessed you, could you help us spread the word by liking and sharing this podcast with your friends? And don't forget, we have lots of great links in the show notes that go along with today's podcast. See you next time.